Hey, TopCast listeners, this is Tom. Uh, before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to make a comment or two to kind of put it into, into context because it's a little bit different uh, than what we typically do for our mid-month episode. This is an episode that Kelvin and I recorded literally on March 6th, 2020. So right before the pandemic hit and we all pivoted to remote work, remote instruction, And at the time, we felt we had more important things to talk about than uh, build versus buy decisions. So this one went on the shelf and has been sitting there for a year and a half or more. And uh, we thought maybe it's time to take it off the shelf, blow the dust off and and share it with all of you. Now that um, that uh, we've kind of spent a lot of time talking about the pandemic and we're starting to come back and, and talk about more regular topics uh, before this one got any dustier than it already is, we thought it might be uh, worthwhile to just bring it back and, and share it with all of you. So that's what this episode is. It, it, it's pulled back from the, the before times of uh, March 2020. And uh, I think it's still relevant uh, for today. And I, and I hope you agree. So take a listen. I hope you enjoy it. And um, uh, until next time, I'm Tom. What will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Kelvin Thompson. And I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And you're listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kelvin. How's it going? It's going well, thank you. That's good. Still lovely out uh, weather-wise, and uh, I saw no accidents today to kind of splice together both of the chit-chat themes, uh, weather <laughs> and traffic. <laughs> weather and traffic, yes. Right. Oh, yeah. we could have a radio show. Weather, now the weather, <laughs> now the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Temps on the nines. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, we are recording this in spring, which is one of the lovelier times in Central Florida. It's about five minutes, but we like it. <laughs> yeah, and um, I always say that this this time of year is uh, what makes up for um, the rest of the year <laughs> for us. Yeah. I would say August is our penance for like February, <laughs> yeah. March. And, yeah, it's very pleasant uh, lately. I've I've enjoyed it very much. It ebbs and flows a little bit, you know, 20 degree change and I know. high from one day to the next. But the low is like 65. So it's, it's not like, that's yeah. not below zero. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. no complaints. No, no, that's All right. right. So I heard, I heard the dulcet gur- gurgles. Mm-hmm. Our house band. I can't even <laughs> say it. I'll need to, we need to come up with some other name, I think. I don't know, some other way to describe that noise. The, um, the, I have the, said gentle burbles before. Gentle burbles. Yeah. The, the sonorous pour. Sonorous pour. Yeah. It's not as much onomatopoeia. No. But it kind of is reminiscent of cellar door. <laughs> okay. Is that Donnie Darko? What's that? that you know, allegedly the most perfect phrase in the English language or the most pleasing according allegedly to Tolkien or something, cellar door. 
I had not heard Sonorous that. Sonorous poor. I will, uh, I will take your word for that. Well, I don't, I could, I'm probably misquoting somebody else. Okay. Well, there is um, brown liquid in this <laughs> lovely cup that you've brought for me. I think it's coffee. It's my, uh, um, you know, loaned Garden of the Gods mug. Mm-hmm, Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, you betcha. And it's a place we were chatting before we hit record that, we, that we've both been. Yes, yeah. Um, it's lovely. So of our, any mm-hmm. listeners in Colorado... Um, you know, we're jealous of your elevation. That's right. And the red rocks. And the red rocks, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's very nice. I liked it there. That little simulation thing where you kind of go through time and you could, at the little welcome center, and you can kind of see supposedly like the formation of the whole thing over ecological past and, or ge- geological past, I guess. Ecological too, maybe. Both. Something. So I'm sure there's a reason we're drinking this particular coffee out of this particular mug here. Yeah, I just hadn't had coffee yet today, and I thought... Uh, <laughs> Bring some and fuel the conference. No, uh, thematically, there's a there's a reason. Selectively, thematically selected. So today's coffee, Tom, is the High Country Blend okay. from Davis Roasters in Madison County, North Carolina, and it was sent to us by Topcast listener Leah Sharan Davis, who is a colleague from the online services company I Design. Okay, know some folks there. Yeah. Uh, Whitney Kilgore, maybe some others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Leah and her family are also farmsteaders. They moved from the city to the country and now grow their own organic foods on their family farm. And Leah told me a bit of her family story a few months back over dinner at an Educause event, and I was, I was intrigued by their whole, whole story. And in that conversation, she offered to send us some coffee because they've also taken to roasting and selling coffee. So Leah sent a note with the coffee saying that this, quote, high country blend contains Robusta and Arabica from Brazil and Honduras, unquote. Um, so how's the coffee? And do you get a connection of some sort, <laughs> however however elusive and shadowy <laughs> it might be? Well, the, the coffee is excellent. Thank you, Leah. And uh, the connection's not too shabby. Ooh. I might add. <laughs> I didn't even need to take that. add any sort of sweetener or lightener to your connection. <laughs> that's, that's good. It's one thing to add it to the coffee. It's another, <laughs> it's another to it's add It's my own it. issue with the it's coffee. Like but spackle. <laughs> I mean, let me see if I can flesh that out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I get it, I think, um, because uh, Leah and her family are sort of um, farmsteaders, mm-hmm. homesteaders, mm-hmm. Um, kind of uh, growing their own food, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. roasting their own coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there's a there's also, I guess, a connection with iDesign. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're a company that you, you um, outsource mm-hmm. um, different services to for the... Um, EdTech online learning community. Mm-hmm. And today we are talking about the build versus buy decision slash conundrum that many, <laughs> many institutions must face. Yeah. And not just once, like right. again and again. Yes. And um, every decision, I think, is unique. Mm-hmm. It's not like, well, we always build or we always buy. That, that's it's right. Like every institution. Mm-hmm must face every decision with a unique set of circumstances and a unique context. Well, I think that's wise. I mean, I know I have tilted through the years, you know, kind of into a kind of a snobbery of like, well, we are, we are build kind of people, but you don't Mm -hmm. build everything. No. You know, you don't build everything, even if you do tilt that way. And and I think it's wiser to make the decision on a case by case 
basis. Right. I remember many years ago, I hadn't been at UCF very long, and um, <laughs> the the woman who was responsible for our tech ranger team, and we'll probably talk about the tech rangers, mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. large yeah. group of mostly hourly students who are super talented yeah. uh, and build things for us. Junior <laughs> uh, developers, I call them sometimes. Junior developers, yeah. Um, uh, uh, trademark name, tech yes, rangers. that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, she came to me and, and made a really hard pitch to build our own learning management system. Hmm. And I, I appreciated her enthusiasm mm-hmm. and her confidence. And I don't doubt they could build something pretty <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, I mean, come on. That's just not where we should be applying our resources. Yeah. I mean, no offense to anybody who has done this, but I've, I've thought about this before. Developing an LMS is like a black hole if there ever was one. Yeah. And it's a hole in the ground into which you pour money, probably. Because, <laughs> I mean, definition of a boat. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. And I think it's kind of the same way because, boy, that would be a lot. You know, you look at the, the real robust open source communities around LMSs, that, that's hard, let well, alone us trying to do it. In my mind, if, if, there is, um, if there's already a, you know, an economic base of full-time, large-scale publicly traded companies yeah. doing that thing, yeah. how are we going to do it any better than them? We, we can't right. devote the resources and, no. and capital you know, yeah. that they have in, into building something like that. So, no. so that's a good, like, eh, maybe, we, maybe we buy that one. Right. <laughs> so for us, LMS is not something we are going to home grow. But we've talked before in these episodes about uh, maybe back in uh, episode 40, we had Courtney Borton, who was at the time um, marketing director for UCF Online and here talking about marketing and, and kind of that whole um, online program management sphere and and uh, the, the marketing piece of it. And and uh, we could have outsourced, but instead you kind of insourced that, right? Right, right. Well, yeah, the decision to to um, to go with an OPM or maybe even a firm like, you know, iDesign or, mm-hmm. or others like it, um, it is a build versus buy decision. Sure. Um, are, do you do you need to get to market fast? Do you have the internal capacity? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are all factors that you need to kind of consider if you are going to go that route or not go that route. Yeah. Just a couple episode, episodes ago, we had our colleague Kelvin Bentley on and that conversation you had with him about the unbundling over time of, mm-hmm. of OPM services and just what do you need? What don't you have? And right, you right. Moving from a just a straight up aggregate rev share to mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. a you fee know, for service or something. Yeah, as you said, sort of a disaggregated fee for mm-hmm, service. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it gives you a lot more flexibility, and and you can you can just buy the piece that you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, honestly, uh, maybe we should um, uh, not go too deep into the o- OPM question because we sure. have talked about that in the yeah, past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I know f- for us here. Uh, the choice about software is is one that we debate a lot because you know we've built a variety of different integrations mm-hmm. that go into our learning management system and typically i won't say always but typically that's driven by the fact that we need something and the marketplace doesn't have it yeah so we've had to build it mm-hmm. and then in many cases we've open sourced it and i don't know maybe maybe we can Put a few on the show notes of, of open source tools that we've built that oh, are sure. available to people. Yeah, some we've mentioned in the past, and we had that episode. Gosh, I uh, sometimes I remember, sometimes I don't. Yeah. The episode about um, about the future of the LMS, and we talked about the, you know, um, I, I pitched instead of like Legos, maybe the you know the next generation digital learning environments more like uh, like. Uh, 
uh, Mr. Potato Head, right? You've got the LMS as a core, and then you, you plug in a bunch right. of stuff. And, right. and so, hence, uh, we do that a lot. Um, but other, other standalone tools as well. We have, we have really good developers. We're fortunate. We do. And, and maybe it's worth taking a step back in, in just recognizing that um, you know, we work at a large research university. Yep. We have um, certainly not the resources of other large research mm-hmm. universities. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, but more than uh, the typical community college down the street. Um, That's right. So um, if you're a shop of one, you know, assistant director of online learning and you've got a, you know, FTE of one and a half or something mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe a part-time student helping you, the build versus buy decision becomes very easy. Right, because you just don't have the resources to build. Yeah, neither. Right. (laughs) Well, sometimes you can buy, but yeah, I yeah, I get it. And so you know, all of this is context specific. There are Mm -hmm. there are sometimes things that you can do yourselves that um, that you can also purchase, and um, and I think in every school it's going to be a little bit different. I I know from talking to colleagues at at places like Michigan and Mm. and Purdue and Mm -hmm. Berkeley who have robust. Uh, Indiana, mm-hmm. um, large-scale kind of development mm-hmm. efforts, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and um, we don't even kind of uh, I think approach what what they do. No, that's that's. And that's I would true. say we have a pretty uh, <laughs> a pretty active development agenda. We've got no, a, a pretty true. good staff of people yeah. who do nothing but this. And and you know just to I guess comment on this too, right? I think historically. We hold ourselves really uh, to something that has to work in practice, which means here pretty much works at scale, not uh, unique, boutique, right. long tail, edge case, uh, other buzz speak, you know, one-offs, but something that has to uh, work for a lot of different kinds of instructors and, and classes and disciplines. and. And that's no small thing either. Yeah, and that is that's part of the the decision making process for mm-hmm. us to build something. So a lot of times, faculty will come to us with some sort of a problem mm-hmm. or a challenge, like I, I need this thing for my class, mm-hmm. and uh, our developers and instructional designers get all excited and say, "Yeah, <laughs> we can fix that problem." Mm-hmm. But it behooves us to take a step back and say, "Okay, is it just Professor?" Jones's problem, mm-hmm. or is this a a problem that can be um, that can be helpful to a variety, a large scale number of faculty or students across the across the campus? And if the answer is more the latter, then then we're more willing to invest in developing some sort of a solution for that. If it's just a one off, it becomes really hard mm-hmm. to spend the time building something, and maybe a solution. A more practical solution is to have the students license that if it's a, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a publisher-ish kind of a thing. Yeah, and that's that's a that's become a. Uh, uh, this is going to be a mixed metaphor. Uh, a hallmark of our DNA. <laughs> it's a. It's. A, I don't know. What is that? A chromosome? I don't know. <laughs> what is that? It's something. It's a ribosome. It's. Yeah, a, I yes, don't know. <laughs> it's, it's something. And uh, I, I give a lot of credit to our. Um, our Center for Distributed Learning colleague, Dr. Francisco Yanakura, who has been uh, guiding a lot of that developer work. I remember the first, um, this is way back in the early 2000s, the first director programmer that we had. He was a full-time director. That that's how long ago this was, director. I remember director. <laughs> yeah. and that was, I wasn't even in higher ed when we were using director. He was, he was programming and director. And there were these one-offs, but we quickly got to this thing of like, well, instead of making uh, this one-off and that one-off, 
how could we make this scale more? And so we began to, uh, Francisca guided that, like, okay, here's this project. What could we do that would uh, take a little bit longer, build a tool that would allow you to change the variables here and there and there and have something that could be um, used multiple you know, multiple times? Mm-hmm. Which So that's something we've held on to a lot, and I think it's been a, um, a real... Um, boon to us in terms of keeping things strategic. Yeah, and there are a couple of tools that, that we have built here that um, that are now being used um, by others yeah. across the country. That's true. Um, and, and some of them, I think, are quite impressive. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I will admit this, that uh, had I been here um, when they were kicked off, I, I may or may not have supported green, it. Maybe it would be green, green lit, and maybe not. Maybe, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad now that yeah. they exist. Mm-hmm. You know, one is our we've got a, a system that allows you to build, um, replicate, and deliver learning objects. Mm-hmm. And there are certainly commercial tools that do this. But what the team here has built is really impressive. It's, it, I think it's, it's definitely commercial quality. Oh yeah, and. Now we can deploy that at scale without incurring licensing costs mm-hmm. for everybody who wants to use it. Um, and so, you know, it took a while, but um, but I think that the dividends are there. Yeah, and that uh, that's uh, the system that is is uh, codenamed and now real named Obojobo. It's a palindrome. It means nothing. It means yeah, it's a palindrome. Yeah, and they like that. Um, but that's that's open licensed, so we'll put a, 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 yeah. a link in the show notes, and hey, and you can go maybe check it out. Not even our m- most widely adopted no. tool that we've built. No, that's for sure. But uh, you know what, what was great about that? Just a little sideline. Um, that was again a, kind of an exploratory kind of a development thing, right about the time that we had an institutional initiative related to information fluency, and uh, a colleague went to like an, an early meeting, and he came back and he said, uh, "When did this meeting?" And they're talking about the ability to deploy some kind of modules like across the entire institution and have different iterations of them and easily modify them. And isn't that what those developers are building over there? Maybe you come to the next meeting and, and, and ask. And so I, I went and I said, would it help if it was authenticated? Yes. Uh, you have data on knowing what students did and, and have some, some kind of assessment. And Yes, yes. Like, okay, yeah, we can do that. And so we... <laughs> that that project just suddenly pivoted the entire uh, development of the of the platform in a different direction. So it it really became uh, about institutional scalar scalar um, module deployment, and we used it for a number of institutional resources. Now it's gone yet another direction again, yeah, but yeah. it's intriguing. But you can do that when you're developing in house. Right, yeah, and you can um, pivot and yes. redirect resources, but then you also have to maintain. Yes. So that team that built that has continued to, you know, they have a roadmap for continual updates, and they've migrated it because it used to all be Flash-based, mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. we've all moved away from Flash. Yep. So it, it does require a bit of an ongoing investment to keep it current. If you're going to have kids, you've got <laughs> to feed them, clothe right, them. Right, there's what? There's free beer and there's free puppies, right? And <laughs> one of them is a commitment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 true. Yeah, that's true. Um, the one that probably is is uh, our our most widely used is the uh, accessibility checker that we mm-hmm. built for Canvas called You Do It. Mm-hmm. Another one uh, is more of a like a, a instructional game mm-hmm. kind of app style game builder mm-hmm. called Materia, um, and both of those have even wider adoption mm-hmm. than the Obojobo learning object tool. 
Um, and, and maybe, like I said, we'll, we'll include a list yeah, of some yeah. of those. Um, and if you're interested, many of them are available on GitHub or, yeah. or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I guess maybe just a comment on this. So if you have already invested in talented people, it might be less expensive for those people to create a product or a service than to pay an external provider. Now, that's assuming that you can offload some duties, right? Reprioritize, reshuffle the deck, and because uh, that you're leveraging your, watch this, uh, Dr. MBA, <laughs> leveraging your sunk cost oh, personnel. Yeah, look at you. Oh. I'm not even sure what that means. Yeah. I thought it was maybe something from soldering. Oh, that's a heat sink. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> but so that might be wise, um, but that's not always practical if everybody's plates are full and they're overcommitted no matter how you know, they could do this thing but if they don't do the thing that they've already got then you know there's big there's there's big consequences well then well you can't do that so right. then buying maybe becomes more of an attractive yeah, it's like the challenge we always run into when people approach me with grant opportunities. Um, <laughs> opportunities. And, yeah, and I'm all for it, and especially for those parts of the university here that we work with that uh, kind of live or die on grants. Mm-hmm. But when they come to me and say, we've got this great opportunity, it's you know X amount of dollars, and you would build all this cool, awesome online courseware for this whoever client, all I can think is great, but now – who am I going to have to hire to fill in for all the work yeah. that these people that are now going to be paid by the grant are going yeah. to be doing? Um, it doesn't help me, right? Because yeah, I'm right. too busy <laughs> trying to manage this, mm-hmm. you, and trying mm-hmm. to manage this, yeah. we are trying to manage yeah. this group of people who are supporting faculty. Mm-hmm. And um, this would be extra. Uh, just So that's that's an opportunity cost. Yeah, that's true. Um, so one of the ways we've addressed that, and, and we've hinted at this already, is uh, through the use of some uh, like part-time and student mm-hmm. employees. So we do have this team called the Tech Rangers, yep. and uh, they're pretty phenomenal. And, yeah, you know, I'll give uh, um, uh, Barbara Truman mm-hmm. credit, uh, uh, previous uh, director here at, at the Center for Distributed Learning, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, and it was really her brainchild mm-hmm. to to take advantage of the talent that's just resident here at a large, you know, major university that has a lot of. Um, uh, you know, really uh, great faculty programs reputation in computer science, digital mm-hmm. media, you know, engineering. And um, as a result, we have a pretty awesome group of students to pick from. And they're not just making copies. No. <laughs> they, they come and they work for us for a little while, and we typically lose them to Google. And Microsoft. Microsoft. Amazon. And Facebook. <laughs> That's yeah. Right. They, um, they, and sometimes they go and they'll spend the summer interning at those places and then come back yeah, and then work for us for the rest of their academic career and then graduate and then go work in these places. You know, we're, we've got, um, <laughs> we've got a lot of talent that yeah. are, that, that we're not paying, you know, Facebook prices for, um, while they're here. No, that's now true. they're young and they need, yeah. they need guidance. guidance. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but that's been, that's been a little bit of a secret to our success. No, I agree. I think it was a real genius move on, Barbara's part. And uh, probably like you, I mean, I've certainly talked to some of those uh, part-timers who are leaving who told me, hey, you know, I enjoyed my degree program, learned a lot, but it all became real working here. 
Yeah. You know, and they on the on the on the job on the ground re- really learned a lot. You know, the a little bit of the lore. I don't know if you know this story. Um, back in the day, the the plan was not to go that direction at all. It was there were there were some existing personnel at the university. Uh, online learning. Okay, you have to make web pages. All right, there's a group over there. They have that that skill. You'll hand off to them what you need, and they'll they'll make it and and you'll be fine, except that, well, they were all, they already had commitments and right. the turnaround time uh, was not what you need when you're putting online courses together quickly. And, you know, the metaphor of, um, you know, you're laying down track as the train's coming <laughs> down it, you know, it's not that responsive. So Barbara, you know, said, well, let me hire some part-timers. And, and this is the era that we refer to now as uh, uh, laptops and TV trays because... <laughs> Because there's no yeah. place for they're spilling out into the hallways, and and that became strategic, and like you know, that was a real worthy investment. And across, of course, over time we've seen that before too. Sometimes you can't stand up a new full time salary line, but you can uh, put aside a little bit of of uh, contingent funding, non recurring, right. to hire somebody, even if they're working forty hours a week non-benefited for a short period of time as a proof of concept to get something done. And then if you need it, you can say, hey, look how well that worked. Now we've got a case for hiring somebody full-time. Maybe that's worked again and again and again over the decades here. Yeah, and we've we've turned a lot of these developer positions into full-time lines mm-hmm. um, and, and still you know keep a cadre of these part-timers who, who are certainly awesome. And in many cases, we have hired from that talent pool yeah. to, into the full-time lines. Um, Not even just developers. I, it's been a while since yeah, I calculated this. Yeah. Uh, years ago, I looked. 60% of our full-timers started out as part-timers, myself included. I was a part-time instructional designer really? once upon a time. I, I, I think it would be lower than that now. I think so, 60%. too. No, I think so, too. But it, it there was a time where there was a lot of us wow. you know, that well, came from that world. Look, build versus buy. Grow yep. your own. That, that's <laughs> grow your own. That's yeah, right. that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's see. Um, you know, I think that the idea of um, of turning these people into full time positions is um, is one that you kind of have to look long term at. Of course. And um, while we've had some success with that, um, we also have turned it into uh, more specialized teams. So we mm-hmm. do have the Tech Ranger team, but they're they're kind of multidisciplinary. Mm-hmm. They they support the. Um, now we have an LTI um, team that yep. builds our integrations yep. for for our LMS, and we've got the teams that that build these the Obojobo and Materia, mm-hmm. the, the the different apps. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, a team that that um, kind of does more straight up web development yep. um, and helps with course design and development. We've got some folks that do some kind of uh, help us maintain a business development or business uh, analysis tool. So it, it's it's kind of um, disaggregated a little bit, but they all sit together, yeah. And they kind of get deployed <laughs> where the where the greatest need is at the at yeah. the moment. It's it's allowed us a lot of flexibility. Oh, that's true. But you know that same principle is held in other areas as well, right? Um, whether it's instructional design, and we have centered uh, that was another strategic decision centered a lot on instructional design, and then supplemented out. Uh, to other places, spin-off teams, um, technical support um, when it was something that our our developers did as well versus um, folks who specialize in technical support. Uh, all that kind of eventual um, 
division of labor and specialization uh, from a, a common core. I mean, I think that's a dynamic as well. I know we've we've kind of lapsed a little bit into the, you know the personnel side of things, but yeah. um, that's maybe not classically what you think of as a build versus buy decision. But I think it still is. It is because somebody's going to have to build it, right? <laughs> if right. you if you don't buy it, somebody has to build it, and that's right. usually it's somebody under your your control or mm-hmm. you maybe you invest in some outside company to build something but that you know th- like an app for mm-hmm. example you can hire a company to build you an app um, and, and it might be something custom but you know I think again this goes back to the to what we said at the top which was that everything is sort of context dependent on on whatever the circumstances are at that at mm-hmm. that particular time mm-hmm. um, and I, I would say maybe one one kind of final thing about mm-hmm. this idea of personnel if you are if you're going to be outsourcing something uh, just make sure it's the right thing so for example you can outsource instructional design services yeah um, I, I would just make sure that you if you're going to do that do that in the right way mm-hmm. because if you are getting as you get closer and closer to the core academic function of the institution the more I might mm. argue that mm-hmm. that's something you should do yourself. Yeah, it's a good thought. Um, the further away you get from that, then you know maybe maybe you're more comfortable uh, outsourcing. Um, and, and accreditors would say the same thing. Yeah. So if if you are like you can't outsource instruction. I was just thinking that. What would that look like? Outsourcing. Right. Now you might say, faculty. well, what do you think adjuncts are, Tom? Well, like, that's true. You know, I get it, but. There are accreditation rules that's on how how much, how much outsourcing yeah, right. or how many how many adjuncts you're allowed yeah. to hire as yeah. a percentage and adequacy of instruction, you know, all of that stuff. Um, so I would I don't know I would I would just think long and hard if if you had to outsource I don't know IT versus mm-hmm. instructional design. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I might be personally more comfortable with IT or something. No, that like makes that. that makes sense, and. Um, and I guess, too, just to kind of harken back for a split second, back to your, hey, our colleagues who it's, it's one person in an office, you know, if institutional leadership wants more from online, whatever that is, like, oh, we need to do more, then money has to be spent one way or the other. Yeah. So then at that point, it's not like, okay, I don't have any. It's like, okay, if you want more, then you're going to have to spend some money. The question then becomes, is that going to be hiring staff or outsourcing services for a time? Or a combination of both. Right, right. But it's keeping your eye on the prize there. So even a OPM, you know, so you could outsource to an OPM because you don't have the internal capacity to to do what's what needs to be done, but you're you're giving up revenue potentially mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, a, in mm-hmm. a traditional agreement. Uh, in some cases, significant amount of revenue, you know, for that. So there's your money. Yep, that's right. Well, I guess our coffee's dwindling and our and our time is is running out. So shall I try to land this plane? All right, landing gear down, Kelvin. All right. All right. Well, I've always wanted to have that foam on the runway, so this might be the day. Let's. <laughs> let's. I have not ever wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yay! The build versus buy decision can be an iterative decision point within our online learning operations. Choosing wisely when to invest in local personnel, when to rely on those personnel, and when to contract with third parties can make all the difference in the strategic value of online education at our institutions and 
and in general. Would you agree with that? Amen. Yes, I would agree with that. Okay. Well, well, thank you for the coffee. Thank you, Leah. Yeah, uh, it was very tasty. It Davis was. Roasters. I uh, will have, you know, I don't, here's a, this is almost, a, this is a half plug. We haven't said this in a while. You know, we always have links to the source of the coffee in our show notes. I know that, yes. If you ever were kind of curious about how to get some yourself or what more information, they're always in the show notes at topcast.online.ucf.edu. So you could find out about Davis Roasters and order some of this yourself if you want. Yeah, check them out. Support our sponsors. That's right. Even though they're not actual sponsors. sponsors. They're They're sponsoring our coffee drinking. That's right. We have some very generous (laughs) listeners who share their coffee with us. That's right. All right, Tom. Well, I enjoyed the conversation and the coffee, so I will say until next time for TopCast, I'm Kelvin. And I'm Tom. See ya. See ya.